Reading from the uh, book of James, chapter 4, starting at verse 13. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why you do not even, so why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Thanks, Patrick, and thanks, Jeff, for leading us this far. Morning, my name is Ryan, and uh, this morning we're going to check out this little loaded passage from James. Sorry, go for it. Yep, yep. <laughs> That's good. Can you all hear me? That's good. All right, so we're going to look at this little loaded passage from James. So my church, which is Pathway to Life over in Devonport, has this year been doing a, a little thing called the Preacher's Workshop. Uh, I believe this is not entirely unfamiliar to a lot of you here as a as a bunch of you guys ran this a number of years ago when Julian was still around. Anyway, for those of you who don't quite know what the Preacher's Workshop is all about, allow me to explain. So each person who has attended was given a Bible passage to pull apart and to research in order to give either a sermon, some thoughts, maybe a devotion or lead a Bible study on it. Some of us wrote mini-sermons, some of us made up Bible study questions, and some of us had thoughts that they'd written down, and then some just came, to, came along to hear and see what the Bible has to say. But I was given this little passage from James to look into and see what I can do with it. And I ended up with a sermon, so let's go with it, shall we? Before we do, I'd like to commit this time once more to, to God in prayer, so let's pray. Lord, what a privilege it is to dive into your word freely and openly. I have an idea where this sermon will go and I have plans and some sort of direction in place for the next 20 or so minutes. But God, as the passage says, if it is your will, which I think it is, would you lead us now as we look at this passage? Would your words be heard and not mine? Lord, take this time and use it for your glory, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm not keen to talk about COVID. It has been talked about way, way too much these past years and months. However, I'd like to use COVID as an example, as it seems like the obvious choice. It brings this issue of control and planning to the surface so quickly and relevantly, as we have all been affected in one way or another by COVID. We might have had travel plans cancelled due to the border closures, Work scheduling messed up due to staff in isolation. Birthday parties and social gatherings missed. Funerals with only three people allowed to attend. Families prevented from seeing one another. Weddings cancelled with next to no notice. Christmas completely flopped. And I could go on all day. All these scenarios beg the question, is there anything that we truly control? You might think that you controlled your car as you drove down the, hill, down the hill here this morning, but did you really? Could you control something falling off the back of a truck, rolling down the road, you running over it, blowing a tyre and spearing off the road? Could you control that? And some people, by some sort of miracle, think that they can control their dog. 
I haven't got a hope with mine, but I'm told that some people are able to command their dog to do stuff and that they will listen. But can you stop your dog sniffing that snake that's just paid him a visit while you're out? Could you control your dog in order for him or her not to get bitten and die? What about what we eat, our diet? I would argue that you had no control over the part of the world you were born into. Those living in abject poverty they have no control of what is put on their dinner plate, if anything is at all. It's only because of where we live and the society in which we live that we think we have any say about what we should or shouldn't eat. All right, you might think I'm a pessimist by bringing up all this, but allow me to share one more thing we have no control over, and that is our day. We probably expect to set our alarms tonight, right, in order to, to wake up to kick off the new working week. If not an alarm for work or school, we probably have some sort of idea or plan for tomorrow or this afternoon or even next weekend, right? If you didn't think I was a pessimist before, you will now. Who is to say your heart will take its next beat? It certainly isn't my own conscious decision telling my heart to beat. I don't control it. It just happens. My point is... We can easily think we're in control of our car, the dog, our diet, or even our overfilled schedules, but are we really? What is it that we do actually control then? I think that we used to go about life thinking that we had our plans and not much really changed them. But more recently, COVID pretty clearly showed us that we, what we do actually control is not much. The countless funerals, weddings, concerts, gatherings, travel plans were all thrown out the window. I actually struggle to think of anything that I truly control. Can you? So as we look at today's passage, just keep all this in mind. So the first point I'd like to make is life is a mist. I'd suggest that we can pretty easily and quickly think that we are important and in charge of things, right? But that is not what this passage says. Our lives are compared to a mist. Now, at the risk of bringing up sad or bad memories, I suspect we all know of someone or have heard of someone who suddenly died. Completely unexpectedly, completely out of the blue and absolutely tragic. Maybe it was someone close to you. Maybe it was a friend of a friend. My point is, life is fleeting. Or as James puts it, it is a mist. So easily we can forget just how fleeting life can be. We all assume that we'll be around tomorrow, or next week, or even next year, right? Look at what today's text tells us. What does it say life is in verse 14? The text says it about as clearly as can be said, so I'll read it now. Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Now I can think of a few times in my life when someone I knew personally unexpectedly died. It was a massive shock to me each time. These guys were young, they were in the prime of their lives and due to some very unfortunate circumstances their life ended very suddenly. For example, one of my good mates from school was named Leo. He fell through the roof of the Dora Hope Church in Lonnie about a decade ago. 
Yeah, he wasn't meant to be up there and all that, but he fell to his death. And to this day, I remember where I was and what I was doing when I heard the news. It shocked me. Now, this is a horrible topic to talk about. And I don't want to drag up all, um, death and, and tragedy and all these memories, but life is exactly as the text says. It is a mist. It appears for a little while and vanishes. But we can so easily go about life like the mist doesn't apply to us. So as we've seen, either in your own life, in your own memories, or the example I just gave of my good friend from school, life is indeed a mist. We appear for a little while and then vanish. We are not in control of our life and we don't know when we will breathe our last. What do we do then? A quick glance at the text can lead us to some interesting ideas. Is it as simple as saying the magic words? At a glance, it can almost seem as if all we need to say is, if the, Lord will, if the Lord's will. If we say these words, we can do whatever we want. No. Allow me to read verse 15 and 16 again. It says, instead you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. So the words, as it is, in verse 16, are referring to the ways things are done currently, as was described in the beginning of this text. The people were making their plans to do what they like, and to make money and do business, with no consideration for what God wants for them, wanted them to do. They care only about what they want in life. They are boasting in the arrogant schemes, which James calls out as downright evil. So by saying the magic words, can we continue to scheme and plan? No, we can't just say, if the Lord wills, insert desire here, absolutely not. Giving only lip service to God is not okay. It's hypocritical, and James called this attitude of arrogance and boasting evil. All throughout the Bible, there is teaching and examples of hypocritical behaviour. Isaiah 29 is a confronting bit of scripture let me read part of it, starting at verse 13. It says this, The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth, and they honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Honouring God with only with our lips shows where our hearts truly are. Saying the magic words and doing what we want is clearly not honouring and submitting to God's plan. That's commonly called lip service, and James says it's evil. So how then do we do more than just honour God with our lips? As an example, I can simply say I love going for a drive. I have a car in the shed, it's ready to go. There's a full tank of fuel, charged batteries and the tyres are pumped up. I can say I love driving all I want. But if I never actually go for a drive, it doesn't make my argument particularly convincing, does it? I need to get in the car. I need to try it out, I need to go down the road. We need to actually do it, not just talk about doing it. So the same can be said about following God's plan. We might say that we've sought his leading, but in actual fact we've just tried to look like we have. We might say all the right things and appear to look for and follow God's plan, but are we really? That is a hard question to ask and even harder to respond to. Our sinful human nature is so strong and our desires can be so subtly placed before God's. 
Now, it is a little tricky to navigate this as it looks different for different people. But I think we, we all need to recognise how easily our own desires can sneak in in front of God's desire and plan for us. Having said all this, it leads us into the next point. Doing what we want over what God wants is a sin. So verse 17 says, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. Now I did wonder when I first read this passage why this is just tacked onto the end of the paragraph. It just seemed a little bit of out, out of place for me. But it didn't take too much thinking and reading to figure out what it's all about. Particularly in light of what we just talked about. That placement of the word then, it links it back to what was previously written. Therefore, knowing God's will and refusing to submit to it is a sin. So we have an idea of what we'd like to do. A plan we'd like to put in place. Maybe a particular job opportunity has presented itself. Maybe some difficult financial decisions need to be made. Maybe you're trying to figure out a tricky or romantic, maybe both, relationship. Maybe you're trying to call a pastor. Whatever we are faced with, big or small, we want to consider God's plan, right? So we want to ask God how to do life. We can spend a lot of time asking God for stuff. We ask him for direction. We ask him for help. We ask for healing, whatever we ask God for. Do we then stop and actually wait for him to respond? When asking about the job opportunity, do you actually give God time to respond? I can, dare I say it, we can, so easily and quickly throw up a prayer to God and then go about what we wanted to do anyway. We rush on ahead without even considering God's response. Perhaps, to put a picture to it, I like putting pictures to things, perhaps it's like an apprentice asking a tradesman how to roof a house, only to rush off and do what they want before the tradie can even put down their nail gun and open their mouth to respond to the question. Or perhaps, this is worse still, maybe we do pray, God responds, and then we still do what we want anyway. Think again about that apprentice asking the tradesman how to go about roofing a house. The apprentice asks how to do it, Trady puts down his nail gun, turns to him and explains to him what he needs to do and offers to help the young apprentice. The apprentice listens then goes, nah, I'll do it my way, thanks. That, friends, is foolishness, not to mention incredibly rude. I think we can so easily tend to, either, to do either of these, either not give God time to respond or if we do stop long enough to hear him speak, we still do what we want. Basically what I'm saying Knowing and submitting God to God's will is very hard. Can you relate to either or both of these scenarios? I sure can. In the end, I think it all comes down to whether or not we actually want to know God's plan. If you have a burning desire to know something from someone, you will seek out an answer. If you think... If you have a vegetable garden, for example, and you, are able to, you want to make it better and healthier and produce more fruit and veggies, and you had the opportunity to meet Peter Cundall before he died, you wouldn't just ask and not care if he responded or not, or if he did, just disregard it. Of course not. I think the same can be said for our relationship with God. How much do we care about his plan for our life? So we've talked about how life is fleeting, it's like a mist. 
and, and we have no idea what tomorrow brings. Therefore, we can hardly make any real plans with full confidence in our own ability or situation. We know it's much more than just saying a few magic words uh, before, in a sentence that gives us the right to go about life and the decisions we make. God wants more and God deserves more than lip service. We know that it's wrong and evil and sinful to know God's will and then to turn our backs on it. Where does all this leave us? I think this passage leads us to be reminded of a life in complete surrender to God and his will and his plan and his purposes. This does not mean just throwing your arms up in the air and giving up on planning anything and everything or just going with the flow and seeing what happens as this rarely ends up going well. We are instead to be intentional in our decisions, not intent on getting our way, but God's. We should be reminded of and admit that we do not know what's coming tomorrow or what's coming our way in the future at all. We can and should trust God to lead and guide us through thick and thin, through the big decisions and the everyday ones. And this passage serves as a good reminder to allow him to speak into our lives in all situations. Now you might be thinking, well, that's all well and good, Ryan, but what does it actually look like? Good question. It looks like someone wrestling with a decision and asking for input and prayer before making up their mind. It looks like time spent thinking and praying things through. Introverts go at this task alone, maybe with a journal and a pen, whereas extroverts shout it from the rooftops to the masses. It looks like getting to know God and what he is like. And if you're not sure, it means you will do your best to find out by chatting about it with godly men and women in your life, by praying about it and getting into the book that tells us all about him, the Bible. It looks like finding and reading the countless good Christian books on, on a particular topic that you're dealing with. There is no end to good Christian books on relationships, money, work, family, prayer and more. These are incredibly helpful for a particular struggle or a big decision that you might face. It looks like humble surrender to our own desires. Maybe we don't need that new gadget to look cool or to fit in, but rather someone else can benefit from that extra little bit of overtime money you earned. Who knows what it will look like for you, as it's different for every person hearing this today. But I think it can be summed up in one question. Do you... Or will you consider God's plan above your own? Who better to follow... Sorry, skip the page. <laughs> For those of you who are thinking, I've made a mess with, a, with bad decisions in my life. Maybe it was just last week or just last night that you chose to follow your own plan rather than God's. Whatever decisions you have made in the past... Maybe they've drastically affected your life, for good or for bad. Maybe they haven't. No matter the blunders, no matter the pain, no matter the guilt, whatever has come as a result of your decisions, you know something? We can be forgiven. We don't need to live a life with guilt or burden on us, despite what we have done, despite the fact we often put ourselves and our comfort and our enjoyment before God, we can be forgiven. Jesus paid for all of our sin, not just the big stuff, not just the small stuff, but all of it. 
Do you believe that? He took us into the cross and it died with him. We can live in this freedom and forgiveness today. What an incredible gift. The life of seeking our own plans can stop today. We can make the decision to follow God's plans before our own today. Sure, we won't get it right all the time, and life won't just be easy-peasy, smooth sailing, but we can begin to make the change from self-serving plans to God-serving plans. I'll ask it again. Do you or will you consider God's plans above your own? With a track record like he has, who better to trust with our life than the God who designed it? Who better to lead us than the God who is ruler of all? Who better to follow than the God who loved us so much that he went to the cross for us? We're in good hands. Our lives are in good hands. How about we continue to submit to him and his plan for us? To his plan and not ours. He has more in store for you than you could ever imagine. Let us humbly submit and consider God's plan above our own. Let's pray. God, we are grateful that our life and plans are not up to us, but you. Lord, we want to acknowledge your plans are greater, they're huger, and better than our own. There is no one better to handle it than you, God. We're sorry for taking the wheel and thinking we can do life by ourselves. We want to humbly return to you and your plan for our life. It is far better than ours. Would you help us do this, God? Life is hard here and we can so easily forget you and your plans. Give us patient and humble hearts, willing to wait and listen to what it is you have to say to us as we do life here on earth. Thanks for all you do for us, God. Thank you for who you are. Thanks that we can seek you anytime, anywhere, and you listen. God, you are good. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Ryan.